0: We're living in trying times these days as the COVID-19 pandemic turns our world upside down. Will it ever be the same again? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. We're coming to you from a remote location and practicing physical distancing to enhance safety. We're just past the six-week mark when Canada went into lockdown as the COVID-19 virus spread throughout the country. Being sequestered in your home, possibly self-isolating from your family, can have a huge toll on your mental well-being. The economic devastation from shutting down the economy will be felt long-term. Many small business owners are just looking at Throwing in the towel. All are weighing on our collective mental health. And to get some perspective on how we're being impacted, I'm pleased to be joined by Frank Graves, president and founder of ECOS Research Associates. And And Frank, first off, despair can be a bit of a harsh word, but what's the difference in despair between Canadians and Americans?
1: Well, interestingly, we just tested using a pretty sophisticated index. Uh, the same questions that our, our colleagues in the United States Pew are asking to measure in what they call em- em- emotional distress or psychological distress, and uh, I was surprised. And it's it looks at things like in the last week, how often have you felt lonely, anxious, had a f- physical response to such that you felt your heart racing. Uh, felt uh, anxiety, despair. So it, it covers a broad spectrum. It's used as a clinical tool to uh, measure depression and so forth, uh, but we adapted it for the measuring the two populations. And there are really stra- large levels of people that are having trouble with, with things like sleeplessness, feeling alone, uh, feeling anxious, even 15% having a physical response in the past week. The numbers line up very closely with the United States, uh, so our, our, our brothers and sisters in the United States are having a worst outcome to this point in time, but the emotional impacts and the psychological distress produced by this has been fairly similar and actually quite devastating. It may be that the casualties that uh, emanate from these levels of stress and, and psychological uh, uh, unwell-being are going to have a lasting impact or one that will register in other ways, for example, in post-traumatic stress disorders. And to the degree they're intertwined very, very closely with the economy, it's not just fears of catching COVID, it's also fears of, will I ever see in a recovery or what am I going to do to put bread on the table? And those things coalesce to produce what economists Deaton and Case called the economics of despair, which had become the leading cause of death amongst white males in the United States before this thing happened. They were dying of opioid addictions and overdoses and so forth because they'd really given up on the economy. If, if we, We'll have to watch this very closely as we come out of this. I, I, I would like to mention, though, that at, at some level, a certain level of stress, which is directly linked to both economic and health risks, is actually functional in the sense that it produces compliance or a, a willingness to stay home, to wash your hands carefully, perhaps to even wear a mask in public or to um, you know avoid uh, avoid having others visit you all of these sorts uh, working at home all of those are po- positively correlated with some level of stress. There is a tipping point where, though where that stress becomes despair. And that produces lower compliance and a whole host of other problems. So we have to watch this very closely.
0: And well, where do you see it going then, if the trend continues?
1: Well, <clears throat> there is a fragile consensus in the country to um, stay home, to um, practice social distance, uh, and a variety of other things, which are extremely abnormal things for human beings to be doing. Uh, there's evidence that that consensus uh, is 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 beginning to show some blind fraying. What the problem becomes that as we move from the initial period of flattening the curve, you know, making sure our, our healthcare system doesn't get swamped, uh, we now come into this kind of gray zone of partial recovery because there's really no full recovery until we find a vaccine, and the measures which are necessary to produce a safe. Uh, partial recovery are not being universally welcomed by any means so as we move we might add other things to the list beyond well staying home and and avoiding uh you know six Mm. foot range for people we may also say well maybe you know you're actually going to have to have a test and if you're positive you're going to have to download an app and have your people be able to see Mm. uh if you're in the area or if you're uh, violating quarantine we get into a range of things where there is by no means uh, a consent. Are you know large numbers of Canadians that say no? I'm I'm really not on for that. Even the basic measures that have been in place to date, like maintaining social distance, uh, people say, look, you know, if that's going to go on indefinitely, I'm out. So we have a problem of how we move safely from this kind of, and I don't think anybody thinks it's a good idea to stay in our houses for the next two years or 18 months or whatever it takes to uh, come up with a vaccine. So we have a real problem, we have to bring the public on side and whether that's through a mixture of uh, uh, education, <clears throat> incentives, coercion, uh, I don't really know the mix but we better get that figured out because it's not gonna work without compliance and there's some evidence that there's some real areas of uh, non-compliance emerging.
0: Frank Graves joining us on the Unpublished Café. He's the president and founder of Ecos Research Associates. And we're talking about uh, all the mood of Canadians and Americans, Canadians as well, talking about uh, their mental well-being and, and despair. We're six weeks into this lockdown, Frank. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering, uh, is, is possible, possibly some of this despair because of a fear of the, the second wave or a second wave?
1: Oh well, odd you should ask. I just asked that question of uh, in a in a poll that is still in the field, but I have mm. enough cases to answer. Ninety percent of Canadians think there's going to be a second wave. Uh, those half think it's going to be worse, and half think it will not be quite as bad. But the idea that there's no second wave is something which is basically rejected. Most people say no. We think there is going to be a second wave, which is probably not a bad thing because, unfortunately. It is risk perception which drives stress, which drives compliance. Uh, the people who are don 't worry be happy are the ones we 've got to be a little worried about because they 're the ones not really practicing the safe measures necessary I, I would I would point out there are some positive things uh, lurking in all of this you know uh, distress and uh, fear and and economic catastrophe first of all we've seen in our measurements that trust levels in institutions and professions have shot up. Um, People's, the the levels of division and polarization that were occurring on partisan lines, they haven't disappeared, but they have certainly softened a lot. Uh, A conviction that public institutions are actually things which can be helpful when you run into big problems like this has seen a a changed outlook on the role of, of government and public institutions. And there is some optimism that, as we come out of this, most Canadians tell me, we're not going back to the status quo. That's not on. And there's a possibly, we end up with a very dark future with some of the nationalist populism that emanated, for example, in Europe in the aftermath of the Great Depression, or maybe we end up with some kind of a new New Deal in uh, Canada and North America, more akin to the Uh, New Deal that appeared after the Depression in the um, last century and ushered in the rise of the middle class and shared prosperity, a lot of really solid improvements. So there is that sense that we might be on the cusp of a transformation, that this this will allow us to do some things that otherwise wouldn't have happened. That's the more optimistic outlook. But there are some some positive things out there as well.
0: How do Canadians see the pandemic as changing our society?
1: Well, um, there's a number of areas. I think we find the public, first of all, are, it, it has it has reinforced confidence in our collective ability to achieve things and in public institutions and government, that which were not in very good shape before. It has, to some extent, laid bare some of these social class divisions. People, for example, everybody knows that... M- pretty well everyone wants to be working at home today. If you're, hmm. if you're not well-educated and not a professional, though, you're not working at home because you have to go out to work and you're feeling more stress and risk and you're having a higher chance of getting this disease. Um, the, the, other, the other things that are notable is <clears throat> I've seen, uh, although the trust has gone up in... Uh, ironically, politicians have jumped way up. It was cartoonishly low uh, six months ago, and all of a sudden there's modest levels of trust, but very high levels of trust in science, in public health experts and doctors and nurses. Um, and in general, you know, this, this increase in trust is an interesting phenomena. Uh, we'll see if it persists after, if this thing goes on, or people, you know, kind of tilt over from feeling extreme stress to feeling despair. The other thought I thought was notable is it seems that this has almost been kind of a, a sea change in outlook on the role of the um, carbon-based economy. So when we look at the public and ask them where we should be investing as we move forward, there's almost no interest in investing in oil and gas, uh, the automotive sector, or even airlines where Where people I think want to see investments is in a lot of things that are like health care but also um, some of the things which involve transitioning away from carbon so that this may signal a period where people say, you know no that's really not part of our future, and uh, it might actually accelerate uh, some of the impetus to uh, to move into other areas. I really quite struck, strike, I find it quite striking hmm. how much the uh, <clears throat> what are precipitous decline there has been in, in, in the idea that oil and gas are an important part of the economy and should be an important part for the future, because that wasn't even a year ago or two years ago.
0: How, how long do uh, Canadians expect the, uh, the lockdown to last? Did you talk to them about that?
1: Yeah, I have. Uh, it's not just the lockdown. It's like, when do you think this is yeah. going to be over? And when do you think we can finally sort of go back to some sort of normal or the economy will recover? When we started tracking, we've been tracking this daily, really since the outset of the, um, of the crisis, about two-thirds of the Canadians said, you know, three to six months, it'll be over, uh, with you know, a fair number saying within three months. As this has gone on, the horizon has moved further and further into the distance, and the incidence of people who think it'll be over in three to six months has dropped from two-thirds to about 20%, so a dramatic shift. The, uh, the outcome, which used to be measured, Uh, The uh, the, uh, end of this which used to be measured in weeks and months is now for many Canadians being measured in years a significant portion I think it's never going to go back to uh, normal or fully recover but I would say the sense is now that it's most Canadians say it's going to be at least six months and quite possibly two years before we really see a semblance of normal again
0: Frank I want to thank you for joining us my pleasure Frank Graves is the founder and president of Ecos Research Associates. Now it's your time to weigh in on our unpublished.vote question. How long do you feel it will take for the pandemic restrictions to be fully lifted in Canada? Three months, six months, one year, longer than one year. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. Make your voice heard. I want to thank Frank Graves from Ecos Research Associates for joining us. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.